we buzzing today. Thanks for tuning into Nectar, the podcast for the Raw Honey platform. For my artists, entrepreneurs, and dreamers, we will process through the raw street codes of healing to evolve into our sweetest, most successful selves. In each episode, we'll be buzzing about boundaries, healthy hustling, self-activation, and other topics that liberate us from social expectation and step into self-affirmation. I'm your host, April B. You ready to pollinate? All right. Well, welcome back, everyone, to the Nectar Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. B. Um, excited that we're here today um, on another episode. A lot of people have been giving some good feedback on these latest episodes, specifically talking about criminal justice, talking about Black men. Um, this season, or at least the second half of the season, is focused on the Breathe Project. As always, uh, if you don't know what the Breathe Project is, um, this is a project about Black men um, showing expression and context toward the Black male experience within America. Um, the Breathe Project has made it into a gallery, um, and there will be a showcase in Dallas on December 12th from 2 to 5, so be sure to get your tickets as soon as possible because the spaces is limited. Um, the tickets are $25 and you can get those on Eventbrite. Um, if you are like, dang it, I don't live in Dallas, but I really love to support. Um, I will have the cash app in the show notes. Um, and there will also be a virtual gallery released on December 12th that you can visit and see, um, the exhibits and see black men's stories. So one way or another, you're going to hear the stories of black men. This is what we're doing in this season and time. Um, and so we've had... You know, of course, a lot of professionals on here. We've had therapists, um, a couple of therapists. We've had um, life coaches. Um, we've had basketball players who have mental health podcasts. But my favorite thing are just stories of people, you know. Um, and so I'm just dumb excited for who I have with me today. Um, we rock all the way back to, at least for me, till seventh grade. Um, at least I feel like the first time I met him was on the track field. Um, but it could have been another time, but this is crazy just to know, like, to see who he's evolved into. And as always, I let people introduce themselves. So go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell them who you are. First off, I just want to give the pleasure of uh, saying thank you for having me. Um, blessed to be here and excited at the same time. But, um, I am Armonte McCann. Uh, originally from Chicago Heights, Illinois, moved to uh, Jefferson City, Missouri. And um, yeah, now I'm in New York, uh, New York City, trying to find my way in this crazy world. Man, so Chicago, did y'all hear him say Illinois, y'all? So I don't know if the debate is still hot, but I could have sworn it was Illinois, but I'm going to let you have it. I'm going to let you have it all today because you're <laughs> I think that you can say that. But so you're from Chicago to Jeff City and now in New York, like living the, living the dream. Everybody wants to go to New York. That's dope. 
it's uh it's it's been a it's been a great experience. I've been here a little over two years now, mm-hmm. and um it's been it's been great. Very different. Very different. How so? The the amount of diversity that's here that was the first thing that I noticed when I got here, and I was very very like culture shocked by it because I'm not used to seeing that that diverse of uh, of people. You have all different ethnicities out here. Um, it's just it's just a different experience. I can't compare it to any other experience I've I've ever experienced. Okay, yeah, that's that's the beauty of New York. It's like you get to see different types of people, even the people who like look the same on skin tone, still like different types of mindsets and things. So that's dope. That's really really cool. What do you think? What originally just brought you out to New York? You just like let me just try New York. Um, it's actually a crazy story. A lot of people won't believe me when I say it, but. Um, originally I was going to Atlanta, Georgia after I graduated to pursue a career in law enforcement, but a lot of things happened and transpired in between that time. They pushed the class back. So I would have went to Georgia and then have a job and I didn't want to do that. But, um, so I met a girl in college, Savannah. I met her in college. Uh, we dated for, at the time it was what, four and a half, five years. And she was here in New York. And she was convinced, she's like, you need to come, you should come to New York, you should come here. And I'm like, I don't know, that's too far away from my son. I don't wanna, you know, my son is in Missouri. And I was like, man, I don't know if I could be that far away from my son, that's 1200 miles or whatever it was. And um, and I also had an opportunity to go into, uh, uh, I was a job offered, they offered me a job to become a juvenile officer at the Pringer Center in um, Jefferson City. And that was also one of my um, one of my dream jobs because I grew up a troubled kid and I had the opportunity to do an internship there over the summer. And um, that following semester, I graduated and then they ended up offering me a job because the internship went so well. And um, they thought I would be a huge, huge uh, mentor to some of the troubled kids in the area. So I had that job opportunity on the table, but I was so I was so driven on leaving Jefferson City, Missouri to go do something else. I was always like, once I finish college, I'm getting out of here one way or another. So that brings me to this story. Um, so now I have the Pringers in the job, I have Atlanta, Georgia, and then I have New York, where my girlfriend is. Mm-hmm. So I was torn, I was like, what am I gonna do? You know, I was like, I could stay in Jeff City for like a year and to be here with my son because he was starting, he was starting out he was starting first grade. He was going to first grade. So I was like, I could stay here with him for another year and then leave. But I'm like, oh, I know if I do stay, I'm going to get comfortable. It always happens. I see it happens to a lot of people. So I'm like, oh, I don't think I'm going to stay. So I kind of X that out. So it was between Georgia and New York. Talked to my father, who's been a great influence on my life. Uh, he's been there since day one. Talked to him and I asked him what he thinks what I should do. And he was like, you know what, when I came down to uh, tough decisions like this, I flipped a coin. Wow. Yeah. So I, I, I flipped the coin, um, a quarter, still have it to this day. Uh, it was Atlanta or it was New York. Both either way I had the support in Atlanta from one of my line brothers. He was supporting me. He said, whatever you come here, I got you. You don't have to worry about anything. And I had my girlfriend here in New York and I was like, either way it's going to be, tough decisions. So I flipped my quarter. Heads was New York. Tails was Georgia. 
and it landed on head. So I packed my car up that same night and I headed to New York. Wow. And I've been here since. That's simple. Yep. Mm. And I've been here ever since. Yeah. And you're doing it. Wow. That's that's some like that's like some dope advice, honestly, because I think we over we think and analyze into a decision so deeply that we're like, I can't figure out an answer. It's just like, you know what? Let me just take it by fate. Like Mm-hmm. The fact that you just packed up the car, I was like, okay, that's it. And I'm still here, you know, dang, that's dope. Yeah, I feel like it was um, it was meant to be, you know, uh, it's, everything's working out and it's going smooth. It's gotten better since I've gotten here. So I just feel that, you know, it was the, it was the right move on my end. Yeah, looks like you're doing really great things for real. So I'm definitely happy for you that you're doing that. Um, so... Okay, let's go. Well, first, let's just start with your whole experience as a father. Tell me about it. You love being a dad? I'm pretty sure you love being a dad. I love being a father. It's one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me um, in my life. Growing up, I've always had to look out for like, my younger brothers and sisters. So I was 19 when my son was born. I was very young. But I wasn't, I never really... I was never scared to become a father because I've always looked after my younger brothers and sisters. But you know, just the thought of having like my own kid was um, it was it was a, a tough thing to stomach being so young, but being a father is one of the greatest things um any man um can be a part of. Just watching them grow, being able to teach them things, um being a just being a stand-up guy, person, and your decision-making and everything because you have someone that's looking up to you, that's following your every move, you know? So I don't really live my life for me. I live my life for my son, you know, because I want him to grow up and be able to have things and um, know how to move in this crazy world, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So being a father is a, is a great gift. I love it. I love my son so much. He's a great kid. He has an excellent personality. He's um, you know, he's he's everything. I don't, I mean, I don't even know how else to put it. Wow, that's beautiful. Specifically, like being a black father to a black boy. Like, what do you think is, what do you think is unique about that task? Especially like everything that's going on in America today. Um, I think just being present in his life, you know, is the, is one of the most important things because oftentimes in, um, in our culture, you, you, you see, um, a lot of young black men growing up without their father. And, um, so my, my biggest goal and my biggest, you know, my biggest purpose is to make sure I'm always there for him. So he'll never become a statistic. Mm -hmm. You know, I want him to know that daddy's here, daddy got things under control. And daddy's going to have, um, he's going to lay out a lot of opportunities for me. And um, I think with everything going on, I think um, that's the most important thing right there. Just being around and involved and being able to, you know, show, you know, your child or children or whatever the right ways in this country and how to maneuver through all of this stuff. That's so important. That's, that's good that you just focus on that, like emotional security and even like that provision security of like, I don't want you to have to be thinking about these things. Like I got you. I protect mm-hmm. you. No, that's really mm-hmm. important. Um, what do you think, what do you think are some things that you specifically got from your dad that really poured into your perception or perspective of fatherhood? 
Um, well, my, when it comes to my dad, like, um, he's just, just growing up, I just remember him doing stuff. Like, he used to, like, when it comes down to, like, the car, he used to have, like, he used to say, always keep your stuff clean, take care of your stuff, because it'll take care of you. Um, just uh, having them conversations with him about how to choose your friends, how to choose your battles, you know, him breaking it down to me, like, you don't always have to prove yourself to people, just do what you have to do. You know, he used to always tell me, as long as you keep a job and you're working, you'll never want for anything. He used to say that to me all the time, and he was like, and it's going to keep you out of trouble. So those little things that he would, like, say to me growing up, it just stuck with me, and it's like, I didn't see it at the time, but now I catch myself applying these things so much because he was always... Growing up, he was always saying, like, always keep a job, you know, always save money just for a rainy day because they're going to be hard times. And I just re I just can reflect back on when we were having hard times growing up as kids, and I could see the things that him and my mom was going through. And I just tried to take little bits and pieces from that experience and apply it, you know, to my life. That's and that's pertinent. Like that's so that's so good. And even it's just like, you know, the small things. It's not even the monumental things. I think that's like what's so unique about black fatherhood is like we look in textbooks and it's like this is what makes a good father and these huge things, but it's like the small little things that you take, those little nuggets that put together and compose a healthy father relationship. Yeah, like cause we to be honest, um, we weren't that fortunate growing up, so it wasn't really like going to the movies and doing all of that stuff. We didn't, you know, it was, it was real hard times in my household. So um, we didn't really have that luxury or pleasure to do those type of things. So it was always the stuff that, that was going to help you survive. That's, that's the stuff that I took from my father, just survival skills and shit, like things like that. Excuse my French. I'm sorry. <laughs> survival skills. Yeah, that's, that's real. I think that's just, that's something that's ingrained in all of us. Like it's, it's a gift and a, in my opinion, it's a gift and a curse sometimes because sometimes when you're in such survival mode, you forget to thrive. Like mm -hmm. you're thinking about how do I get to tomorrow versus how do I get past tomorrow? You know? Um, yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a, a coin. It's a coin flip on how you, how you approach it. Exactly. Exactly. I, I can agree. Cause I, I just know there was times where I was strictly focused on how I'm going to get through this or get through that. And I blocked out so many other things. But I think it just comes with growth. Like, as you start to grow, then you start to level it all out. Right. Know? That's, man, you own it. So tell me, tell me about some of the circumstances just in your season of growth, like from childhood to who you are now. Maybe just one or two examples of times where you've had to make that switch from survival mode to grinding mode, thriving mode, whatever that next level is for you? Um, I can just say, uh, just, just simply, just when we were speaking on a coin flip, I could have took that job in Jeff City and settled for that, you know, because I knew I was, because at the time I really didn't have a job. I was fresh out of college. I didn't have a job. So they was offering me this amount of money and I was like, Oh, I could take this. I don't have a job right now. Or, you know, just so I could survive or I can just, you know, take this chance 
and, you know, look at the bigger picture, you know. So I could just use that experience right there, you know, alone. Like, I could have jumped on that because I felt like I would have been str- – I thought I was going to struggle, but at the same time, I'm like, man, let me just go ahead and take this chance, you know, mm-hmm. because it's a chance of a lifetime. I could settle here or I can go out and try to be the best that I could be and be great, mm-hmm. you know. So that experience alone and – um um. I could just touch on a, a situation where, um, you know, I was I was always, as a as a kid, or as like a young teenager, I was always getting into a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. I was always fighting, you know, doing a lot of everything. Um, I'm not perfect. I had a real trouble uh, youth or growing up. I was always in some something. It didn't, you know, I was always into something, and. Um, I could just speak on the experience where when one of my friends got into a like really bad altercation and that was one of the, uh, the turning points in my life. You know, I had to really sit down and tell my, tell myself like, dude, like you have nothing to prove, man. Like you don't have to prove to nobody that you could fight or you could do this. You know, you just need to sit back and do what you need to do. I was playing football at the time. I almost had football stripped away from me in high school because the charges that was pending on me was felony charges for assault. And um, at, that, at that point in time, that's where, that's where it was really a big turning point in my life, you know, because I seen the things that I always said that I wasn't going to drift into, which were, you know, a record, a criminal record. I always told myself I was going to try to be better than that. I wasn't going to fall into the trap of, you know, I wasn't going to try to beat the odds coming from where I come from, I was like, I'm not going to get a felony record. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. And I seen that in that moment, like started to slip away from me because, because of a decision I decided to make. And I didn't need to make that decision. So I was, I was there and I was just like, man, do you really want to, you really want to risk all of this, you know, just because you're trying to prove yourself. And uh, at that point in time, that's, that's when everything just started to, to change for me, you know? And ever since then, I just, I don't need nothing. I don't have to prove anything to anyone. It's just about getting out here and being the best you could be, you know, without having to think that way. Man, I was sitting here right now because you're just like dropping all the gems on today. Like, it's just, that's, and thank you for sharing your story like that. Those are some hard things to like come to terms with. And that's honestly, you know, of course, like never want anything negative to happen to you to teach you a lesson. But sometimes that negative thing is the thing that has to happen to teach you that lesson. But, you know, just one being in a situation of, you know, taking a risk and taking a chance. I feel like even sometimes in our community, we're taught like you don't take risks. You know, if you got a settled job where you are, where you're already living, why didn't you take the job in Jeff City? You know, like people be like, man, that's crazy. Why would you drop everything off a flip of a coin and move to New York, like New York, you know, but to you, you saw like, take that chance and, you know, whatever's going to happen, going to happen. I know how to, that survival will kick in of, I know how to make myself survive and then get back. Exactly. You know, exactly. Exactly. That's it. And that's exactly what I was thinking the entire time. I'm like, if it, if it don't work out, you know, I have money saved up. That's one of the biggest things whenever you want to move anywhere, just making sure you're financially stable for that, that great, that period of time that you need until you get on your feet. And I was already prepared for that, prepared for that years in advance. So I was like, 
I just got to go for it. If it falls flat, I know I still can have this opportunity back home, you know, right. because I left it, I left that in good stands. You know, I know that if I, if I wanted to apply for that job again, likely I'll get it, mm-hmm. you know, that's home. So I knew right. I would be okay. That's, that's, I mean, and I think that's, people say this to me all the time. You're so brave for moving to Texas. And I'm like, I guess I just don't see it as brave. I just saw it as like, hey, if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, I can go back to Missouri. I can go back. I would never go back to Missouri. But I can go back to California. (laughs) Like, I I can go to Ohio. I will go to Ohio and California before I go to Missouri. But I I have fall black. I'll just move back in with my grandma or something. Or I'll move where my dad is. You know, like, if it really was just falling apart. I know that I could, I mean, one of my best friends, like we can get a place together, you know? So there are, there are a lot of options, you know, but at the same time, I just would hate to be sitting at home every day and being like, what if I went to Texas? You know, what if I, right. what if, what if, what if, and being miserable. And it, it just wouldn't be fair to everything that's happened to me in my life, you know, and just hearing exactly what you've overcome, you know, it's now the second point I was getting to about like, having that revelation moment like it's it seems like it's not that incredible but that's incredible because there's a lot of people that don't get that revelation there's a lot of people mm-hmm. who's 40 50 60 shoot 20 30 still trying to prove stuff to people and still like in that cycle of not getting to their purpose not getting to being their best self like you said because they're still in a state of mind of I need to prove to people that you ain't gonna mess with me. I gotta prove to people whatever it is. Um, and so for you to have that revelation that like, wait a minute, if I if I do this, then I lose this. I'm not gonna do that anymore. Like that's mm-hmm. that's remarkable. That is really remarkable because that's a hard place to get to. Sometimes it's hard for us to get out of that space of whatever trauma or whatever thing taught us to do that. And instead say, you know what, it's not even worth it. I'd rather I'd rather have the glory of things in life than try to prove whatever it is I'm trying to prove over here. That's dope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had a lot of help too along the way. I would never uh, say I did all this by myself or came to, got to this point by myself. I had a lot of close friends, family, um, te- even teachers, a lot of people that were in my corner that I don't give enough credit to that deserve credit because I've had a lot of good people you know, on my side and stick it with me to a lot of these uh, troubled times. So that's really what it is. And I I tell people that all the time, like it's all about your village, you know, who's in your village and allowing people in your village, you know, to Mm -hmm. even even know that you allow these people to influence you. That's important because Mm -hmm. we need that. We don't have, if we just deal with our perspective, we have in our own, we're going nowhere. That's how we got to work. Exactly. You know, so if we have other people pouring in too, it kind of waters you away to where you're supposed to go. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. Whew, you got you got a beautiful story. Give me goosebumps. This is beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it hasn't been easy, but you know, it's uh, I'm seeing I'm seeing a lot of you know positive things come from everything I've been through. So you know, I don't even look at like. I'm very, I'm a very humble person and I take it all in, but you know, I'm, my mind is solely focused on just trying to be the best version of myself. And I don't even think I'm all the way at where I, where I need, where I'm going to be. But, um, 
I just, you know, I just look at it like I'm here for a reason, you know? So. Amen. So I, I think the way I like, at least again, at least what I remember most recently connect reconnected with you was you posted something about going to therapy. So talk to mm-hmm. me about like your process of deciding to go to therapy, like the whole back process and then how it is for you now. Um, well, it all started with um, my relationship. I was having a hard time in my relationship um, with communication and I felt like I was so naive about certain, uh, uh, so many things um, in the relationship. I felt like I had to be right all the time, whatever. I didn't see anything wrong with the way I was moving in the relationship. So um, my significant other requested, she said, hey, I think you should go see a therapist. You know, you've been through a lot in your life, a lot of trauma. Um, you've never spoken to anyone about these things. So um, she's like, I think you should try it. And I was like, you know what? I'll try it. Because I always looked at therapy like, man, this is for some weirdos, man. I ain't trying to go talk to nobody about my life. They don't know what I've been through, you know? I've always been like that. Like, nobody been through what I've been through. They can't relate to me, like, whatever. But um, I had to come off that high horse, and, and I was like, I got I to gotta go see somebody. Let me go talk to somebody. At least give it a try, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I went. I went for my first session, opened up. Uh, got to know my therapist. Uh, he got to know a little bit about me. And then it just kept going. You know, I started to see little things uh, about myself that I didn't see. You know, it was like a reflection. And um, it's it's been great. And I, and I honestly, I'm mad at myself for waiting so long. You know, I should have been with. And uh, it's a great thing. I highly recommend young men, older men, whichever, to go. You know, if you feel like you need help and you know it, you should go. Nothing wrong with it. Man, that's it's 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 nice just hearing a black man say that because you know, therapy and even as a black woman and I'm in the mental health field and I still struggle to want to go to therapy because it's hard, it's hard to have that reflection. And that means you have a good therapist if you saw a reflection because sometimes that doesn't happen. Um, mm-hmm. But to go through, we've all said it, like, that's for weird people. That's, that's a crazy people. Like, I ain't crazy, you know, but <laughs> it really does help to have that mirror looking at you of like, oh, that's what I'm doing? Wow, that's not okay. Okay, you know, and go through that. So that's good. Again, that shows another ramification of this move of like having a vessel that's telling you maybe you should go to therapy and being able to find that healing. Um why do you think especially it's important for black men to go to therapy? Um, I'm not trying to take nothing away from any other, you know, ethnicity or race, mm-hmm. but um, I think black men naturally have it harder than other men, period. You know, uh, constantly targeted, um, um, brought down upon by so many people. And um, just, just every day, you know, it's just, uh, I could just speak on the experiences I'll go to like a grocery store. I'm in my regular clothes and I walk past a lady of a different color or whatever. She hit the door locks. You know, I still pay, I pay attention to those type of things. So um, it's just so much that we have to deal with in society day by day that, um, you know, I, I think I, I just feel that it's, you have to be able to voice these things with someone, you know, instead of keeping them all bottled up, you have to be able to sit down and talk about these things to someone it makes you feel so much better, you know? And, um, 
yeah, I, I think I think that's you know that's just one little thing, but you know you deal with stuff constantly from like you know relationships, uh, past relationships, you know, um, baby mothers, whatever. You know, I feel like uh, black men tend to get it the worst. You know, as far as the the bashing on social media, I see it all the time. Um, constantly see like I know I know we're not perfect men. We're not perfect. We do our stuff too. But I feel like it's a landslide on like when it comes down to like um, women tearing down a black man. You know, I feel like it's literally a landslide. You see that more often than anything. People in general tearing down the black man. I and even just through the Breathe project, I've been telling my friends this all the time. Like I've learned so much, and I've only been doing it for two months. Um, but I've learned so much about my own biases. Um, I've learned about what like society teaches you, what like the woman culture teaches you about black men. Um, and it's kind of like we don't even know who started it. I think our trauma started it. I think white ideology started it. Um, mm-hmm. But we perpetuate it. And keep it going when in reality, like we're both hurt. We're both misunderstanding each other. Um, we're both in this space, but um, we don't want to go first. You know, I, I said this in my last podcast. I was taught like, you know, to a man, you never tell them that you're wrong because you're already the weaker species as a woman. So don't give him ammunition to make you look even weaker by being wrong. And so mm-hmm. I realized that being wrong isn't a weakness being wrong in that situation is an opportunity for growth. And I think once we start to see that, that thing of being humble in relationships or humble in interactions with men, we'll be more open to listen to black men. We'll be more open to understanding the experiences of black men. And so I just really recognize that I said this and people are just going to come fight me at my house. I said, I think when black, when black men fall in love, I think they love harder than black women. Um, I think like they really give a lot. I really think when they really let their guard down, that guard is really far down. I just think they express it differently. I think they express like all emotions differently because they haven't been allowed to express emotions in the same way that women do. They aren't allowed to cry. They aren't allowed to vent and talk about their feelings. They aren't allowed to openly process. And so they do it in other ways, but that doesn't mean that that emotion is not present. That's what right. I'm hearing from a lot of men. And so, of course, since it's not what we see or what we want it to look like, then we bash you. Like, oh, he's always closed off. Oh, he's always avoiding. Oh, he's always doing this, always doing that. And it's like, well, that's his version of us doing this, 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 and this. It's just he doesn't have that same exact tool as we do to do that same thing. So, like, how can you take out time to listen to how he expresses his emotions so he can feel valid too. So, it, I mean, I think while we are, you know, like financially or just economically or physically the weaker, weaker, I don't like that word, but the, the subordinate species, well, I don't even know what inferior, I'm just like saying all these terrible words, but <laughs> while we're the lesser species as women, um, I think men have, we have emotional privilege over men. That's the word I'm looking for. While men have all the other privileges, women have an emotional privilege. And I think Mm -hmm. we have not come to place to recognize that, or we don't even want to, because that takes power. That gives men more power. 
we we see it as like that. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's really that hit it right on the nose. To be honest, um, I, I couldn't disagree with you at all. With you know, I think that's I pretty much think that's what it is. You know, I really do. It's hard, and it's hard saying that as a woman because I've I've heard this term lately called like the pick me mentality. I don't know what that is, but basically, like if you're a woman that uh, empathizes with men then it's like it's because you want to butter up to men and it's like it's it's more so I want to I want everyone to be understood I want everyone to be heard I want the quality of life for black men to increase significantly I want you to be able to when something wants when you want to cry I want you to cry when you want to say I love you I want you to say I love you you know when you want to express emotions I don't want societal norms to stop you from that I want you to live your full, fullest and most quality life. And I think I, I'm saying this as a woman who has done it of like, I think we do have a harsh contribution to um, the well-being of a black man simply because we haven't, we just haven't unpacked our own hurt and we mm-hmm. want, we want to be understood too. So I think just coming together as a community of like, how can we learn how to hear each other's hurts? I was just going to say that too. I think it all comes down to coming together and uh, moving as one, you know, because in society, I mean, we all viewed as one in general, you know, so uh, we might as well just come together and, and try to get this thing, you know, under control and be strong as one. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's a lot of trust involved of like, if I open myself up to you, are you going to shoot me? Or are you going to be like, okay, I see you. Now let me open myself up and and you see me, you know, are we going to do that? Do we have the tools to do that? Um, Or do we just open up and shoot, you know, when a man finally Mm -hmm. saw that, you know, all them small things that he did. And then you bring it back up later. He'd be like, dang, see, like, this is why I didn't want to open up to you because I knew you'd throw it back in my face. You'll use it, you know? And so we just have to be careful with that of like when people, give each other our sensitivity to make sure that we treasure that because that's, what's going to get us to our healing. Yep. Cause it, it's tough. Once you, uh, once you meet someone that, that drags you through the mud and through the dirt and you, you opened up and they know mostly everything about you, the hurts, you know, the goods, the bads, the ugly, and they go and shoot you down. It's, it's really hard to recover from that. You know, yeah. It's very, very hard to recover from that. Um, I've been in that situation before. I'm not going to go too deep into it, but um, I've I've been in that um, situation where I was uh, I had hit rock bottom. I opened up to someone I I thought I trusted with everything, and um, it 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 came back and bit me, you know. And um, it was very very hard for me emotionally to open up to anyone, you know. I feel like I had to have my guard up. I'm just now getting to a, a place in my life. Thank you to therapy. To where I can, you know, uh, open up more, you know, in like a relationship or whatever. And um, I'm starting to see those signs to where I feel like I can trust this person. Okay, I'll I'll take, I'll take, I'll give another inch today, you know. But it's a slow process, though. I can't, I can't just put it all there right now because I'm still recovering at the same time. But I'm also trying to let go a little more and a little more. But it's definitely a process once you've been in that position. So... Whew. that's ain't that the truth <laughs> yeah 
It's, it's, and, it, and it's important, you know, it's good that you recognize that because I think a lot of people just don't recognize that and either just say, well, I just got trust issues and like shut it all down or, you know, just kind of flop the other way. And so there is this middle ground of like, okay, I've been burnt. That hurt really bad. Um, I'll be more wise and mindful, but I still can't punish the next person for what the last person did. And so there is this middle ground of how can I be more mindful? Or when I give you a part of myself, how can I, you know, still, how can I still keep myself even when I give you my story? You know, I'm, I'm at a point now in my life, you can say, you can say whatever you want. If you know all my business, that's great. You can tell the whole wide world. That's not going to bother me because I'm secure in my story, you know, mm-hmm. but I had to get to a point where I was secure in my own truth. And I was so secure in that even if someone warped my truth, like I still remain firm, you know, kind of that whole, I don't have to prove anything to anybody. Um, right. I have to get past that of, I don't have to convince anybody that I'm a good person. I know I'm a good person. If you choose not to think I'm a good person, then you, that's your fault. Like that's on you that you missed out on that truth. So mm-hmm. that's good. That's, that's really, that's a really important thing. And I hope we're all learning, you know, in our relationships and interactions with each other is like healing is the, like a top component in order for you to experience true love true trust, true relationship with somebody, you've got to heal along the way. Mm-hmm. Definitely, because um, you you really can miss out on your blessings if you, you know, if you let the past, you know, define your present. You mm-hmm. have to, you have to find a way to, uh, um, I look, I see it as for, like forgiveness, but you just can't forget, you mm-hmm. know, you, you got to find a way to forgive and, you know, let it go, but just always remember, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's man. And remember, remember the details of it, you know, of like, how did it make me feel? What could I have done differently? You know, those, those little things don't remember it as a burden or as a, a notch on someone's belt, but remember it as a learning lesson, you know, like it's mm-hmm. like a PowerPoint slide from that day or something. Yep. Man, you like, wise just just wise among among your 27 years like it's just dope to see it you know and i i like this i like this just organic interview talk whatever this is because i want people to see that you don't have to be this whatever people think to just live your best life and live a healthier life and be wise and be strong and grow from your traumas and all these different things. And so it's just, your story always touches me of like who you've processed into and who you've grown into. That's, that's incredible for real. I remember you're saying you want to, you know, give, give back to, or at least talk back to the younger men, younger community, even men your age. Now we'll be like, I'll say three things, if you can make it the three things that you would really like them to know moving forward to kind of, and I want to say keep them from what you've been through, but to really mentor them in the places they are based on what you've been through. Uh, I would first say, uh, to be honest, that one of the most important things, but we oftentimes block it out, is always be aware of your surroundings and who you're surrounding yourself around. Um, I think that makes up a lot of it. I always had this uh, this saying in my head from high school, a principal uh, told me this. He said, um, if you hang around pigs, you start smelling like one. And that always stuck with me. And as I got older, I really started to understand that 
and not everybody's good for you. You know, everybody have their own agendas. You have to be able to um, point them out, pick them out, pick out, pick, pick when and where to deal with these type of people. You know, you can't, you can't keep some people in your everyday life. You have to separate yourself from some people to get to where you're going. Uh, so I would say to the younger generation or, or, or the young, anybody younger than me or my age or whatever, just always be cautious of the people that you're around, the company that you keep. You know, you have to distance yourself from some people because they're not always good for you. Um, and number two, um, um, I would say just keep striving. You know, if you're not, you may not be who you are today, but that don't mean you can't be who you want to be tomorrow. Um, you're going to have ups and downs through the journey. Um, it's going to be bumps in the road. But um, my advice is just keep going. You know, don't stop. If you want to, whatever you want to be in life, just keep going. If you want to be a professional boxer, train harder, move to a different state or different city. You know, if you, if you're not getting what you need there, take those chances and those risks, you know, cause sometimes you just never know what you may run across. And even if you, if you, if you sold on being a professional boxer, you may go somewhere else and find another passion. You may want to be a fashion model now or something like that. You know, it's so you just have to get out there. You can't be you can't be stuck in one place. You know, you have to if you really want to do some things, you have to you really have to start being optimistic about your moves. You know. Um, and I would say uh, lastly, you know, put God first, you know, put um, put your faith in him. Put your faith in him and um, trust the process. You know, trust the process. Don't um, don't count yourself out. And um, just be an overall good person to people. Be a genuine person, a genuine heart. Uh, my father always told me when you treat people right, good things will come your way. And um, when I see tragedies that happen and stuff like on the news and everything, I always just think about it like that person probably wasn't doing the right things. You know, I don't really mean to say it in a negative way because things happen, but it's all about the way you treat people and the way you carry yourself. That's the things that's going to take you far. So those are, the, those are really like the main things that I follow. And I would want to, like, if I'm giving any advice to anybody, those are the, the, the few things that I would say, the things that I live by on a day to day. Um, so if, if you can find a way to put that into your everyday, use it because it's helped me. And those are just genuine, like, just genuine things. Like it's not a crazy thing. None of that costs you anything. Don't cost you any money. You know, maybe a therapist or whatever, but most of that don't cost you anything. It's just about being that genuine person, you know, that that ambitious person. Costs you nothing. So if I can if I can pass anything down to someone that, that comes from my background and from my past experiences. Just learn, take everything that you've been through and try to flip it. It's easy to fall into the trap of where you come from. That's easy to do. But it's even harder to overcome that and beat them odds, you know. So you also have to challenge yourself, too. So that will be my, my three cents right there. Man, 
That's some good cents. That wasn't no three cents. That was a dollar. Bills. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Like, I mean, that's that's just that's so important. And I think that's those are so such humble things to say too. You know, it's it's something that's easily applied in everyday life, you know, and some of you can work at daily. So I think that's really good. You mentioned boxing a little bit. And I remember that's that was something that was big. I don't know if it still is, but something that was big that you're into. What what got you all into boxing? So it's so crazy. Um, I I was always a fighter naturally. Um, I used to love <laughs> to fight. Um, like growing up, I fought a lot. Got kicked out of school a lot. I gave my mom a lot of gray hair. Sorry, mom. Um, <laughs> I remember so many times you would not be attracted. They were like, "He was suspended." I'm like, "Dang again." <laughs> Yeah, same same stuff, and that go, and that all just goes back to those traumas. You know, I always felt like I had something to prove. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to fight a lot. So uh, one of my really good friends, uh, David, he's like a mentor of mine. He's taught me so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't credit that guy enough. I don't give him enough credit in my opinion, but he's always been a great mentor for me. I follow him a lot. Um, he's a role model for me. That's somebody that I look up to, and um, he, you know, he. I, I came to Missouri. When I was in the first time I ever came to Missouri is when I was in second grade. My father was married, so he moved from Chicago to Missouri, and uh, we came here because we were just having a hard time in Chicago. Came here for a little bit, only for probably two months. This was when I was in second grade, and uh, it didn't work out, so we ended up moving back. But when I came here, I met David. We lived in the same apartment complex, and he was boxing, and he took me up to the gym. Because he knew I liked to fight. I was over there fighting. I was only here for like a month, and I was already fighting. <laughs> and um, and it's second grade. So uh, he brought me to the gym, and I was in there ever since. Wow. And, um, yeah, that's where that's where that um, the boxing came into play. So just going to boxing, it helped me at one, at one point, and it hurt me at the same time. Because now I knew how to fight all the way. I already knew how to fight, but now I know how to box. Mm-hmm. So it was like an ego thing. Like I knew I'm like you can't, you know, you can't mess with me, bro. Like I know you can't. You know, I'm boxing now. So, but what I learned from that um, boxing, it, it took me away from a lot of things that was going on in the streets, and also it took me away from you know things that was going on at home, just because I was in the gym. I went to school, I went to the gym afterwards, and then home. And then on the weekends, um, my boxing coach, he was also a pastor. So we had to go to church on Sundays. He made us go to church on Sundays. So um, just having that, you know, it kind of shifted my the way I thought and, you know, me wanting to stay out of trouble and stuff. So boxing was a huge part of my life. You know, sports in general, football too. Dang. Yeah, that's right. You did play football. That's wow. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. <laughs> I can imagine of like how your ego would go from zero to 1000. Cause you like, now I can box you. Like you really think you got those hands, but I really got actual hands. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was always fighting. Like I just remember those days everybody meet up in the bathroom to fight in school. Like I was the ring leader, man. I was, uh, yeah, cause I, the boxing just yeah, had me through the roof, you know? <laughs> Yes, I remember David. He, I think we were in a speech class together. Like, yeah, a, I don't know if it was a speech. In the, yeah, I think it was a speech class, but I do remember meeting him because I, I think he was a senior when I was like sophomore or something like that. So he is he's a very cool person, very level head, down to earth person. Appreciate yes. it. Yes, that's like that's big bro. You know, that's that's a big bro right there. Yeah. So. 
That's beautiful. So, you know, what's, what's your plans for the future? You know, what, what's your next steps? What do you hope and aspire to do? Cause you got all this wisdom, you got all this talent, you know, like, what do you, what do um, you? Um, I'm, I'm really just trying to set myself up for, uh, you know, like eventually I want to get to a place in life where I can have direct contact with younger kids, trouble kids. Um, I definitely feel like I, ha- I mean, I have a, a huge passion for that, you know. Uh, so I want to, I, I find myself here in a few years being able to do something where I can be a mentor. Um, you know, I have, I am a Kappa. Um, so we do, we do these type of things, you know, the mentoring programs and everything. But I would like to, here in the future, have something to where I have like, set some up like after school program or something like that. I would definitely love to get in one of those type of activities. So I'm trying to lean more towards that. You know, that's, that's always been a passion of mine. Um, so I want to just give back to like troubled kids. That's always, that's a big, big goal of mine, big dream of mine. So that's what I'm working towards right now. That's beautiful. And so glad that people now hear your story to see how you're like the perfect candidate for that. And just to let everybody know, he is one of the three noobs in the world that I'll even stomach talking to. So (laughs) (laughs) you have made the elite of the elite. (laughs) I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Because y'all know y'all wild. (laughs) Man, so is there anything else that you would like to tell the world? Any any other, I mean, you've gemmed us up incredibly, but is there anything else you would like to share that's on your heart? Um, that's part of your story. Um, truthfully, I just want to say um, to anyone who's lost someone to COVID, mm-hmm. me personally, I haven't lost anyone close to me, but um, I just want to say uh, that my heart's with those families that's lost loved ones. You know, that's something that we run through my mind a lot because, you know, it could happen to somebody that I'm close to. So I just really want to say, uh, um, you know, I pray for those families that have lost someone to tragedies this year because it's been one heck of a year. Um, you know, I just want to say my heart's with you guys and um, you're constantly in my prayers. So, uh, and other than that, I just would like to say, um, you know, everyone continue to strive. I know it's been a tough year, you know, just – you know, get a hold of something, hold on to it, and make the most of it, you know. And also, another big thing, talking to my, you know, black men, black women, I just want you guys to, to understand that it's very important to, to have your finances in order, your credit, um, work on those things. Those things are very, very important in life. I'm learning that as I grow, as I, as I grow, you know, just uh, – just find a way to learn more about finances, stocks, investments, um, because those things are very important in today's world. You know, so just 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 try to learn more, educate yourself more on those type of things. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Man, those are some wise cookies right there. A little small extra question, just for people who are like, you know, because this is a very unique situation that you chose, you know, to move to a different state than your son. You know, how do you keep up that relationship? How did that feel, for one? But then two, how do you keep up that relationship? Uh, it's very, it's very hard. It's, um, it's tough. It's, it's not something that, um, um, it's, it's, it's tough. You know, it's no other word for it. 
because I think about my son every day. I just, what keeps me at ease is that he have a great mom and I have my family in Missouri as a support system. And, um, you know, they do a fantastic job. She's a great mom. Um, so I know he's in great hands, you know, even though I'm not there physically. But we talk every day. We FaceTime every day. Um, so that helps out a lot. And he actually was living here. I actually got him here. He was staying with me um, the top of this year before COVID happened. He stayed with me from January up until um, the school year ended in June. And then he went back to Missouri because of COVID. So I actually had the opportunity to have him here and everything was going great. Um, it was, it was a beautiful thing. You know, he made the adjustments, you know, he got, he was doing really well in school and it was kind of hurt when he had to go back, but due to the circumstances that we're in, you know, I had to make that move to send him back. But um, my heart's always warm. It's always in good spirits. I always think positive. I know that he'll make his way back to me when the time is right. And I understand everything happens for a reason. Dang, that's beautiful. Yeah, and I think that's so important for people to know and people to see that, you know, like the sacrifices that are made, um, but the things that can be put in place to make those sacrifices happen. Mm -hmm. So that's dope. Well, this was a great and informing and enlightening and enriching conversation. I think this is actually like one of my favorites of this season. There was another one that was really great too, but this was, this was really good. I think this is going to touch a lot of people. I can't wait to see what you're going to do in the future because you have incredible stuff to give to the world. And I just appreciate who you are. I truly do. I appreciate who you've grown to be. I appreciate everything that has come in your path and how you've taken it and just launched off into this next person. Even just like one, I used to walk in and see you at the gas station and I was like, dang, he didn't really change. Like he's really become just this whole different man and seeing it more and more and more. Like that's dope. So I'm incredibly proud of you. I'm happy for you. I really am. Thank you so much. And like I said, I'm very blessed and very pleased to be here today and having this conversation and all I want to do is, you know, just someone, even if it's just one person, two people, whoever, if my story can touch you in a way to make you become a better person, that's all I want to do. You know, I don't want any credit from that. You know, just take my story. I'm someone, I'm, I'm just a regular person, you know. But, you know, just if you could take my story and my troubles and, you could, and it can help you grow, that's all I ever wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So. That's real. That's beautiful. (sighs) Well, thank you. Until next time for the rest of the world. That's, uh, I think we have a couple more episodes this season. So have a couple more stories and a couple more great people. But until then, we're going to keep going, keep being beautiful. Hopefully find out what president, hopefully next time we'll know what president we have. So (laughs) (laughs) maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, all right. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Nectar Podcast. For more information about the Raw Honey platform, visit our website at www.rawhoneypf.com and subscribe to The Hive so that you can keep up with all of our latest buzz. Also, follow us on social media. Find us on Facebook at Raw Honey Platform, on Instagram at rawhoney underscore pf, and on Twitter at rawhoneypf. You can also send an email to tell me your thoughts about today's episode, questions about the platform, 
or if you just want to say hi. You can reach us at rawhoneywc at gmail.com. And finally, always remember that nectar endures a process. So in this time, continue to practice our raw wellness tips included in the show notes so that you can become the healthiest honey possible. Most of all, buzzers, believe in